Shut up and sit down. the music started because that was not on purpose uh anyways <laughs> today Jilly and I had an experience and um it was like first you know the thing is, is I actually got a message from Jilly about this um particular situation before I actually got to my part of the situation. So Jilly messages me on Facebook and says, Hey, you need to check your email because there's something in there and I want to see what you got. Of course, I go to my email and I open it up and the person who had messaged her had indeed emailed me and sent me the attachment that Jilly wanted to read. So I forwarded her the attachment. Now, this person doesn't know me. They've obviously um, never spent any time on my site um, or on my Facebook or they have not followed my Twitter. They've, um, they probably haven't read my work. Um, I don't know um, what their relationship is with Jilly, but considering the content of the email and the content of the document that we received, the six-page PDF plus the one-page email, um, I'm left to assume they probably haven't read Jilly either outside of AO3. Um, And the reason we were contacted is because Jilly um, is a maintainer on the Little Black Dress collection on AO3 with me. Um, And um, that collection is uh, a product of our annual Sentinel Challenge that happens in the summer on Rough Trade. And the Little Black Dress is um, Sentinel Fusions. Um, Oh, Sentinel fandom, I missed you. I didn't miss your special brand of entitlement, but I missed you. And today I felt all fucking nostalgic and and shit. Now, <clears throat> I don't think she read your work either, Jilly. But I wanna, I'm gonna put Jilly on the air with me. But before I do that, I wanna um, clarify something. Um, about three months ago, I got an email, and I didn't tell anybody about it because it was kind of off-putting and I didn't know quite what to do with it but I'm going to address it here um, because it's pertinent um, someone asked me if Lady Holder and I were arguing because she noticed that Lady Holder wasn't um, on my radio show as much as she used to be and I was like no, no, Lady Holder and I aren't fighting. Um, and even if we were, we'd probably do it on the radio show <laughs> for your entertainment. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I was like, what is this, right? And um, she says, well, it appears like you play favorites. 
And what happens with the content of the show is it, it goes like this. There are some topics that Lady Holder um, is very passionate about and um, likes to talk about. And there are some things that Jilly is very passionate about and she likes to talk about. And it's never um, – I'm not playing favorites. It's just whatever topic hops, you know, pops up, sometimes during the day we'll be chatting back and forth on um, Facebook all day. And, and a topic will hit us, and it'll be a lady holder topic, or it'll be a jelly topic, or, or whatever. And because they are the two people I bounce most off of often on the show, um, and they both call in, it, it – it's very arbitrary and it's not on purpose. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because, person, I kind of got um, self-conscious about it, and I was thinking. Um, at one point, I wanted to ask Lady Holder, "Are you getting upset with me that you're not on my podcast all the time?" But I didn't, because that's like fifth grade, right? That's like fucking fifth grade, okay? So I didn't ask, and I was like. Okay, so I'll just take turns with them. <laughs> so and you might have noticed that over the last few weeks, um, that, I, that months, I have been taking turns with, with who ends up on my show. Unless, you know, Jilly has a life and she leaves leaves us and, and, and leaves her house. Um, but, and I was like, okay, but I'm going to talk about this topic. And this is actually a Jilly topic, but it's Lady Holder's turn. In my little thing, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm so foolish." This is like, this is literally the fifth grade. This is check boxes. I don't, I don't need boxes and everything, Lady Holder. I'm gonna need like a yes and no box, and a maybe. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's really insane. And this isn't often something that happens to me, um, but every once in a while, because I do have an obsessive, um, I do have obsessive compulsive disorder. I, um. I have these these moments, and this person inadvertently created one out of her curiosity slash concern, and so it's not really her fault, but um, I blame her. Um, and uh, so yeah, that it's it's not it's just silliness. It's just plain silliness, is what it is. Um, so no, Lady Holder and I are, are, are not fighting. I, I promise you we're not fighting. Um, and it's just based on what our conversations fall out through the day. And that's that's all it is, literally. That is all it is. Um, and, uh, well, sometimes she goes to the store and she'll be in her car when I'm doing my podcast. But, um, but no, it's just, it's just literally... Um, that simple and that complicated. It, it's not some big thing. Um, in other email news, uh, Thundercunt emailed me shortly after I created this podcast and berated me for um, wasting my time writing um, essays and stuff for my future project for Nano when I could be writing um, Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. I just come on now. Well, I did update my project file on Rough Trade with the with the new essay and the note about why, why I was doing it. Um, 
but they could very well be one of my friends on Facebook. I have a lot of Facebook friends. Oh, yeah, I got like 15 emails from readers today. Um, Some of them run in the mail. I've got one reader who emails me every single time I put anything out to let me know whether they would prefer that I be writing on. Um, not kidding. Uh, and I've got one reader who was completely het for years, like years and years and years, and like two years. Um, and recently, because I haven't been publishing Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, they have finally you know, broke through their own barrier and started reading my slash. And now I'm getting, you know, emails from about that. You know, this was great. I really like this. I prefer this. I like this John better in this story. I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't even give a moderate amount of fucks on that. Um, I've got one person who has emailed me probably a hundred times in the last year. I'm not kidding. Anyways, I'm going to put Julie on the phone. Um, and I'm not playing favorites because this woman sent the same shit to me that she sent to Julie. And um, it is just epic. <clears throat> I was having a moment with Madeline. <clears throat> She's, that's my favorite bitch. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I got up this morning. I checked my email. I did some stuff, then she wrote my email, and there's this thing, and she she contacted, she sent you her email directly, but she contacted me through my site, so she couldn't send an attachment, and she said, you know, Kira had the attachment, and I was like, and the email was so, like, what the fuck, I was like, what is in this attachment, and I was like, you know, the part of me that was, like, mortally offended was like, I just want to, like, delete this shit from the universe, but then there was the part of me that was like, I gotta see this shit, <laughs> I got to get my hands around this train wreck and understand it and, and, and appreciate it in its entire glory. That's why I wrote Kira on Facebook and I said, you're going to have, you got something in your inbox. And she says that she sent you more than she sent me. And I really want to see the rest of it. <laughs> I really, really, really want to see the rest of this. All six pages of it in a PDF. Now this PDF was full of character profiles, um, uh, plot ideas, uh, pairing requirements, and she actually used the word requirement, by the way. Um, now, in no place in this document did she use the following words, but she meant it in every single word she, she used. Um, no slash, no homo. <laughs> <laughs> because what she did ask for was strictly platonic pairings. Um, she wanted us to make two characters that were not brothers brothers, but there could be no incest. Okay. Um, but if there weren't platonic pairings, they had to be het pairings. And she gave a list of acceptable women for the for, um, for the het pairings. And then there was a particular sentence that I found galling and I, I I'm I, I'm gonna read it in the case I'm gonna not say the characters names in the case of a challenge I would probably accept that character A and character B aren't main characters I will have to think about it 
Now, imagine the level of micromanagement in that one sentence. I could probably accept. I will have to think about it. Now, the main thrust of this particular email to both Jillian and me is that she's not actually asking either one of us to write it unless we want to. Um, but for specifically, I think for me, she was, I'm not sure if, if you got the same email or not. Um, is oh, I did really I have access to authors? Yeah. Yeah, I really hope that there are authors out there somewhere who might be interested in my story or overview, and I don't know how to reach them. So not only was she asking me to review this and think about writing it, she was actually asking me to inflict her on other writers that I know. That we she know. wanted us to pimp her her spec to people that we know. So, you know she didn't say the word pimp, but she said that we have access to authors who take prompts. I'm like, but this uh, isn't a prompt. This it's is an prompt. outright commission. I need this, 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 and this. I'll accept this. I won't accept this. It has to be het pairings it has, or platonic pairings. And they have to have this, this, and this. I refer these characters with these characters. And I might be willing to think about it if you have other ideas. And the part, the part that just was so stunning to me was that so many people might be captivated by this idea that we would want to run it as a challenge. And that in that case, she's fine with it as long as her rules are followed. <laughs> Wait, where, where is that? I didn't read the whole document. Where is this? It's in the email, not the document. And she says... Da, 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 da. I wouldn't mind if my ideas for this story could be used for a challenge among authors who are interested to write fan fictions in the Sentinel Guide verse, although my requirements have to be applied. In the case of a challenge, I could probably accept that these guys okay. aren't the main characters. I will have to think about it. So it's right ahead of what you were called okay. by. But I mean, it's like, so not only, and mind you people, I, one of these people, like one of these characters I've never heard of. Um, the other one I have, but um, it would be a crossover. Um, oh, but don't worry about character. it, because she gave us wiki links to all the characters, just in case we don't know who they are. And she introduced us to who, as she said, she said the story has to include Jim and or Blair in the story, and explained who they were. But considering her other requirements, they would, they would be a platonic pairing. Right. Because the story has to include platonic bonds of Sentinels and Guides. And I was just like, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there reading this with, with my unimpressed face on um, this morning. <laughs> I get to the end where it talks about there being an email. I'm like, this, I, printed this, I printed this email to a PDF so that I could save it because I wanted it out of my inbox. So I printed it to a PDF. It is a full page, this email. With, so the email itself is a full page. And so I'm sitting there, and she's talking, and when I get to the end, and she's talking about that there's a, PD, a document with the requirements. I'm like, this isn't even the requirements? What the fuck? What the there hell are is in 11, that document? There are 11 requirements. And I don't want you to think I'm picking on this person. I mean, I kind of am. But it's, it's not because I'm angry with her. It's just I'm so – I'm not mad. I'm – 
I was I was actually sort of horribly amused at the time. I was like, this is just so, huh. I told it her like, in the email that I sent her, um, which was as polite as I could possibly be. Honestly, I'm not sure if I find this level of micromanagement regarding a prompt to be offensive or horrifyingly funny. <laughs> it's both. But you know what it is? Is I think the reason why like Bear is talking about is because it is something that we see on a day-to-day basis taken to the nth degree. I mean, it is like you think if you know if you had had no exposure to something like this, it would seem like what the hell? Why would someone do that? People do lesser versions of this all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They think do this, that they do this, do this, do this, do this, and you know, honestly, in some respects, you got to blame um, some authors who accept it and others who even solicit it. But this was unsolicited. There is nowhere anywhere on my website that says, oh, hey, send me your ideas. In fact, it says explicitly on my site, do not send me your ideas. I don't want your plot bunnies. I don't. I don't even know. It's like a plot jackalope. Um <laughs> I mean, I have written, uh, way back when I first got into fandom, I did some, like, charity writing for, like, disaster relief and stuff like that. I don't do stuff like that anymore. I'm not interested in it. But I've done it, and I've taken some kind of vague prompts from people for, you know, like, a specific scene they're interested in, and I do what I can with it if, or go where I'm inspired by. But I would, I would, you know, even in that situation, assuming I still did stuff like that, um, which I don't, and I don't want to. Uh, I would never. Art. I would never take mm-hmm. a. I would never take a spec that specific. I mean, you just. Let's, I feel like. I, <laughs> okay, so here are the requirements: Sentinel and guides verse, family slash platonic bonds between guides and or guides and sentinels, the two main characters that she wants. Um, Character A and character B are brothers, but they're not real brothers because they're from different shows. Um, and online guides. And one one and character A has to be the older brother of character B. Um, then you have to use the background from character A's show to tell the reader why they weren't raised together as brothers. Oh, it'll get to that whole Harry Draco thing. Um, no incest between character A and character B. Uh, that's the only requirement in this whole damn thing that I'm totally on board with, um, <laughs> since they're ten brothers. Crossovers for character A and character B in other fandom shows and movies are suggested, but not with Supernatural and Harry Potter. So no Supernatural and no Harry Potter. No werewolves, vampires, dragons, aliens, zombies, alpha, omega, ghosts, or any other supernatural creatures. Okay. Other characters, Blair Sandberg, with or without Jim Ellison. So Blair is required, Jim is not. But I guess if they're together, they have to be platonic. Female characters, online sentinels, bonded to either or character A and character B, or both. Competent, strong, and yet still feminine characters could be older or not. Examples, Emily Prentice, 
Penelope Garcia, Annalise Villa, Kono, I can't say her last name, or Joss Carter from The Person of Interest. So, you know. Set in a modern universe, actual time, or no less than ten years prior in the near future, but no fantasy universe. The last, the last little check mark in her requirements. Open to any and any kind of ratings, genres, warnings, and so on. No, uh, no requirements or limits. Okay, up here at the top, I don't think she knows what genre means. Um, because she says no werewolves, vampires, dragons, aliens, zombies, alpha, omega, ghosts, or any other supernatural creatures. And then at the very bottom, she says open to any kind of ratings, genres, warnings, and so on. No, qui- no requirements or limits. <laughs> Just so you don't get confused. And you can't use supernatural or Harry Potter. And then, if you read, if you read way, way down, these are the absolute requirements, the absolute things that absolutely have to be there. Then she gives you some things she really, really, really wishes would be there. And then after you get past the character bios, we get down into the ideas that she has. Right, the ideas that she has that you could use or not, depending upon your choice. But one of the things that is buried in that idea in there is that she wants this one character. bonded to the sentinel of Joss Carter, who's person of interest, um, but that Joss is dead as she died in canon, and to please check out um, the the person of interest wiki. Um, okay, so that means we've got three three world build three three show universes to fuse together. This isn't just crossover. She's talking about actual world building too, because person of interest has a very complicated canon. And that you would write a main character, um, a Sentinel guide pairing, where the Sentinel has already been murdered. What? No. Who wants to write that? Up at the very top, underneath the epic list of requirements, there is um, her very strong wish... The character A and character B work in a private firm agency where they use their God abilities and their gift to offer services as fixers. Um, to adjust matters of disputes and negotiation, intervene to enable someone to circumvent the law or obtain political favor for guides and sentinels and even mundanes. Ordinary people, she put that in parentheses like I wouldn't know what that meant, and when there are disputes or other matters with guides and sentinels. Yeah, it's like leverage, except she didn't say it. (laughs) So that's a fourth (laughs) fandom. She would very much like a strong wish to be in there. (laughs) Leverage, well, you know what? I think considering her age, she's probably never heard of the Equalizer. This is is not a particularly, um, I would put this person what, late 20s, early 30s? That would be my guess, although it's a little hard to tell. If, if if I found out that she was in her mid-50s, I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, I would I would peg this to somebody probably in their late 20s.
I saw a fetus barista today. I waved at him through the window. And yelled out, hey, fetus. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> hey, fetus. He he turned around. <laughs> I busted out laughing because he looked. And he said, hey, mean lady. <laughs> so now it's a thing. Now it's a thing. He's a so, fetus and you're a mean lady. Yeah, he's fetus and I'm mean lady. I said, don't touch my coffee if you don't know how to do it right. <laughs> I did get a response. Um, she apologized for offending me. And I'm left to wonder if she actually knows what she did and if she learned something from this. Oh, yes, because that's really interesting. She says, I'm sorry I offended you. That wasn't my intention at all. Still, thank you again to take time to answer my email. No need to answer to this reply. Which I said to be, I'm sorry I offended you. Please don't email me again and cuss me out. But I could be mistaken. Well, I um, I didn't reply because once, like, once once Kira mentioned that she was replying, I'm like, you know, there's just like nothing else to say. <laughs> I mean, if I almost replied, Brad, is that you? But <laughs> I decided, I decided not. Are you pretending to be a girl now? <laughs> and why no Harry Potter, dude? Thought you liked Harry Potter, Brad. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just one of those kinds of things. It's like you know, can can I? And I did. I had the I I had that moment in the last week where I was like, I don't think readers can get any more entitled than this. Um, I was wrong. But actually, the thing is, I don't know if this is a reader. So, um, our readers. I think that this person had actually read my work, and since the and since the bulk of my work. In in the Sentinel fandom is Slash. She probably has not read my work, um, and since so she doesn't read the Harry Potter fandom, she hasn't read my Het offerings in the Slash. I mean, in the Sentinel, because all my Het have been um, Harry Potter in the Sentinel, except for when you know Sentinels of Atlantis, and she doesn't like aliens, so she's not reading Sentinels of Atlantis either. So she's not read my work. Um, <laughs> I don't. Is think- she reading? I don't think I would have been the person she would have um, approached if she knew a single damn thing about me. No. Well, if she knew a thing about you, anything about you, she would have known you were the last person to um, um, to send that kind of email. It was just, you know. And sending, and she clearly doesn't read my work either because she starts going off about no dragons and no ABO and all that kind of It's like, like well, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because me and Jilly are the maintainers of the of the of the little black dress collection on AO3, which is the Sentinel Fusion collection that we keep for Rough Trade. And there are some and there are there have been quite a few hit um little black dress stories 
and I, I don't know how many of them have made it into the collection, but presumably she found some Het Sentinel stories, and she really liked them, and she thought, well, you know, if they maintain this collection, they must know... I um, have apparently a whole posse of writers that I can order to write her homophobic fan fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that rude? It could be rude. I don't care. Well, I mean, she. I I don't know how old her 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 membership is, but she is on Rough Trade. Um, uh, so you may she may have correctly inferred that you issue. Do you like to tell my podcast listeners what you're doing right now? What am I doing? Not you. I was like, I'm 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 gesturing a lot, but I promise I'm not <laughs> masturbating or anything. <laughs> my husband opened the office door and did something um, rude and. And act like he was all amused with himself until I asked that question, and then he immediately shut the door and walked away. So, <clears throat> yeah, how many steps have you taken? <laughs> I've been gesturing mightily. Let me look. Come on, baby. That's about 35 steps in 30 minutes. <laughs> That's not I'm good. We need to work on that. <laughs> um. What, what's but, really um, it's, it's just it's just a frustrating experience that um, we have and um, um, and I've discussed it before how um, there's a uh, a false sense of intimacy, but this isn't even that because she doesn't know either one of us. She doesn't have any clue what either one of us write apparently or didn't bother to investigate. Um, she was just looking for a pimp. So I hope my bitches don't mind, but I turned her down on your behalf. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find what how, what how as phrased it um, earlier today. Oh yeah, she says <laughs> what she thinks is you're the madam of a Spanish escort house. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I mean, because it's one thing to say, "Hey, I have this idea." Do you know where I could post it? And I'd be like, okay, take your brother over to Farm Bunnies <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah, have Facebook. at it. But this was something entirely different. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't even, like you said, you can't say it's the false sense of intimacy that people read your work, they think they know you, they can, um, they can just say whatever. Because they 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 have this perception that there's some kind of connection because they've read something that you've written, and um, and on some level I kind of can kind of get um, that because sometimes I read something by an author and you know I do there is that sudden sense of you feel like you kind of you know been in where they lived like there's just something really and I don't mean sex I mean there's just something very intimate about sometimes reading something that's really profound and touches you. Um, but you kind of have to shake that shit off and realize that it's not real, you know? And some people can't do that. And so you get these weird emails that 
um, that are just kind of out of left field and they're kind of inappropriate and it's sort of like, okay, I kind of get this is coming from a place of you just loved it and you really, really want more and some good intention behind it. But this is just not even that. It's just it's just a level of entitlement that you want something that the world hasn't provided to you and therefore you can find someone who might be able to source it and ask them to broker an agreement so that you can get what you want. And, you know, I get these you're, – you're, one of the reasons why I think I found this so um, appalling is because this person isn't someone who um, who reads me. This this isn't someone who who enjoys my work and wants more of it, even as inappropriate as they often are with their demands. There's at least some attachment to me through this through their behavior, you know. I mean, even Brad, for all the asshole that he is, um, we we had our moment because he didn't, his investment in my work was more than I could tolerate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this, this person has no investment in me or in Jilly whatsoever, and yet still sought us out and sent she sent a protected PDF did you notice that you can't copy and paste out of the PDF Cause she, I guess she doesn't want us to steal her ideas without giving credit and I think it's, I have to say I said, this, I said this earlier to the ladies I said what ideas there's like once you take the two main characters out, there's nothing original. And I don't mean that as a diss, but, you know, almost everything, there's almost nothing unique in the Sentinel fandom anymore. We take unique spins on things, but platonic bonds, not unique. Um, unbonded guides, nothing unique about that. Guides who are brothers, not unique about that. That's nothing unique there either. And once you take out the two central characters, which are unusual together, there's nothing particularly original for anybody to steal. Um, the whole, like, one of the, the whole idea behind what the two brothers do together is based on one of the shows, the canon for one of the shows, so that's not unique. I mean, I don't know what she thinks people, that's why this whole thing is like, if you want to use my idea, it's like, well, what idea? You're talking about, that's why she can't let go of, that's why she has to think about letting go of the two main characters is because there's no more substance to it than that that's not a tried and true um plot device in the Sentinel fandom already. You can't say that, you know, I certainly can't say het pairing <laughs> something original. Although for my readers, that might be new. <laughs> now, Lady Holder does have a contact form on her site, um, but you're right. Th- this person didn't seek her out, and she is a maintainer on the AO3 um, uh community as well um, now I'm twitching because uh, because now it's something else right because she didn't contact all three of us so now it's something a little different Well, that is an element of mystery. Hmm. 
this is more of that. You know what? I am no longer. You no one's allowed to call me a big name fan anymore. For now on, I'm a super fan, and I have a fucking cape that I'm only gonna wear <laughs> in my office. I won't leave the house in it because no cape rule. I get it. I understand. I just wear my cape in the house. It's actually a snuggie, but it's gonna be my cape. It's actually a burgundy snuggie, but in the house it's my cape. Done <sighs> that. I won't trip over my little dog fall down the stairs, break a leg. Um, but it's it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Um, I don't. But you know, I. I I find it especially annoying because she doesn't, um, I don't have posted works on AO3 unless you count the translations. I figured um, it out. I figured it out. What? You have a link on AO3 to your main website, and Lady Holder does not. Oh. There we go, because apparently she can't use Google. <laughs> do you? Do you have a link, too? I'm pretty damn sure I do, but I do have posted works on AO3 that also include links to my website. Not that I think that she... Oh, of course, it's really so hard to get to my own profile. Yes, there's a link to my website. <laughs> there you go, lady holder. I'm going to take the link off my profile over there. <laughs> but it's just, it's really annoying, actually, um, that she... It's disrespectful. I feel disrespected because she knows absolutely nothing about me. Um, she sent me this this thinly veiled homophobic mess. I, I can't even call it an idea. Spec. Commission. Manifesto. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (sighs) Full of requirements. You know, you know what she's asking for. She's she's essentially asking for a ghostwriter. Mhm. Or a whole host of them. She's willing to take all you guys on. A free fan fiction ghostwriter. Oh no, she never mentions the word slash anywhere. She just asked for platonic or het pairings. She said platonic bonds have to exist, and and at least one of the brothers has to be bonded to a sentinel 
who is female and it has a certain set of characteristics. I kind of wish I knew what what this other fandom was so I could go write a filthy gay fic about character A and character B. They wouldn't be brothers. <laughs> they would not. That's exactly what I would want to do too. Be like, oh, there's about they would be banking on. on sentence one as Azure has already supplied me with the inspiration. There would be a very big dick. There would be lots of cock in the story. That's right, Azure, and manly thrusting. And I'd probably be sure that Sam and Dean were involved in the story somewhere, <laughs> and Harry Potter <laughs> would make an appearance, and by <laughs> God, one of, those, one of those two main guys is going to turn into a fucking dragon. <laughs> Boom. And once he's a dragon, he becomes an alpha. <laughs> The other dude's in Omega. There's going to be all kinds of butt sex going on. In front of the Stargate. (laughs) One of the dudes is going to get pregnant and just suck it. (laughs) They turn into dragons and fly away. It's just, um, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. It is, um, but you know, I, I, Normally when I encounter this from people who actually read my work, it's because they're excited and they want more. Can I have this, this, and this? I can't wait for this. This would be great. Are we going to see this? You know, and I don't particularly like it. But I don't find it appalling either. The only thing that my readers have done to me in the past that really got my goat is when they guess my plot. Especially in my episode work, um, guessing my plot ahead of me before I'm ready to reveal it is the most frustrating thing that readers do to me. I fucking hate it. I have actually replotted and changed what I plan to do because a reader guessed my plot and made a comment on it. I find it so fucking frustrating. Yeah. Don't do that to writers. Don't anticipate their plot and comment on it. You can anticipate their plot in silence, in blessed silence, but do not, do not comment on it and or whatever. It's just really rude. And you also, it also sets up the situation of where, um, and this has happened to me a couple of times, where I didn't change, because, like, it was so central. Somebody guessed something that was so central to my plot um, that I, was, I couldn't change it. I mean, I was, like, already, you know, like, I have to completely replot the whole story. It was central to where I was going. Everything hinged on it. Someone guessed it, and I was like, well, I'm just going to ignore this person. I'm just going to ignore them. And then when we got to that part of the story, they commented, I'm so glad you went with my idea. I fucking hate that. I I want to stab people over that. I won't do it, but I want to.
Zan says, but then you say, I can't believe none of you noticed blank, and but we did. Now, after the fact, after a book is done, after a story is finished, and if you see me do like an Easter egg, absolutely point that out to me. I find that fun. That's why I put them in there. But to guess my plot in advance is really annoying, and there's a big difference between the two. Yeah. And you know the thing is, I have never, I have, I am not one of those writers who has a problem. Um, I, I, actually, I've talked to people who have a get really anxious about crediting inspiration for some reason, or they just don't do it, or they pretend like they weren't inspired, you know, whatever. And I find that actually be really obnoxious that you can't just, you know, woman up and say I was inspired by something I read or by something somebody said or whatever. I have not ever been shy about crediting where I'm inspired. So if somebody ever were to leave a comment that I really found so inspirational that I had to incorporate it, you get credit for it. So if I didn't, it wasn't you. Shut up. One of the more interesting things that happened on my site is I inadvertently made Jack's clone a mystery in what might have been. That was never supposed to be a secret. It was supposed to be, and it was actually in a scene in book two of that of what might have been, but I took it out before beta, and I never worked it back in. And then I'm I'm knee-deep in this, and I realized that I have inadvertently made Jack's clone, a secret, and all, and I had pointed out somewhere, and it might have been a podcast, and I don't think it was a podcast, it definitely was not a podcast, I don't think I was even doing a podcast at that point, I had pointed out to someone, somewhere it could have been on Facebook, that Jack's clone was in fact in what might have been, um, and then people started guessing who it was, and a lot of people guessed correctly because, of course, they did because I laid the foundation for it from the very beginning because he wasn't supposed to be a secret. <laughs> but I would go in there and like star out their guests in their comments before I would approve their comments. Um, so, but yeah, he was never actually supposed to be a secret, but he turned into one by accident. Um, it happens. <laughs> what can I say um, so that was like a more of a funny thing than a intrusive thing but I actually had someone on Sentinels of Atlantis um, map out several pairings that they saw coming including who I was going to pair um Miko with before I even revealed that Miko was a guide. I deleted that comment and they got some of it right and some of it wrong. And I like to pretend that comment never happened because I'd already replied to Sentinels of Atlantis three times and I wasn't going to do it again. Um, they did guess wrong on who's Miko's Sentinel, um, who. Miko's Sentinel would be. And at one point, I almost made her the Sentinel just to stick it to them. But then it would have fucked up my, the Queen, which I was at that point writing. And I, I couldn't allow them to fuck up my plot for the Queen yeah. because I was really proud of the way I had structured that. And it was just, it was coming together so well. It was so irritating. So irritating. 
but they thought I was going to pair um, Miko. I forget, but it wasn't who's actually going to be her sentinel. So, really annoying. Just don't guess. It's terrible. It's very frustrating. Um, and also, I mean, because I'm, I'm, I, if somebody guesses something that isn't isn't vital, I will just change it um, because I don't want to deal with it. Um, but that's oh, that's time away, you know. Hey, I was writing. Now I'm replotting. Thank you. Don't guess. Like somebody guessed the whole. They didn't guess. They suggested you could have. They they suggested the ascended. Um, the story was done already, but they guessed the ascended part of. Because um, as I was publishing it, they guessed the ascended part of uh, emergence. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I could, there was like literally nothing I could do about that. The fact that they ascend at the end of the story is like nothing I could do to change that at that point. Um, and I was just so irritated that. Um, they made it, 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 I just kind of let it go because that story was already done and I was in the middle of posting it. And the last few chapters where that happens um, were about a week behind everything else because they were still in beta. And then that's what one of the people that commented, I'm so glad you went with my suggestion. And I was just like... <sighs> <laughs> I would have been like, actually, I tried to ignore the fact that you preempted my plot. But thank you for bringing it up again. It's so proprietary. Like it is. she's it's claiming awful. part of your work. And yeah. It's just. <sighs> it's like if I need help with something, you know, A, and when I first started posting, I said the story was done. It was because I, that's, I went, that's how I roll. I post finished stories. This is was not an EAD thing, so it's going to be. A completed story. It just takes a while to post two hundred and thirty thousand words. So, um, so I said it was done, and so she started telling me what I could do, and she made several comments on what I could do, and several of them I deleted because it was just getting to be ridiculous. But, um, which is like weird. And I pointed out one time. I said this story is done, and I don't, and I don't take plot suggestions anyway. But then it's like why it, – it felt like she was deliberately trying to – by the end it felt like she was deliberately trying to insert herself into the story as if she had something to do with it. Something that had been written for, what, like a year and a half at that point? So the emergence was basically written on Rough Trade. Yeah, it was written back in 2013. Um, and so when I published it like a year and a half later, I mean, I had like um, – I wrote hundred like 186 or 180 – about 186. 586,000 words during rough trade and then the last um, 40k were written after uh, but it was just you know so it was like quit quit it quit it quit it quit it and um, I don't know I just it, it does feel like somebody's trying to take um, a proprietary um, stake in something that I've written and it's like you know if 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 somebody suggests something that I find inspirational, which I I actually can't imagine that I would ever use something that a reader suggested, ever. But if that would ever happen, I would, you know, talk to them and say, you know, um, 
blah, and I would give them credit, but I would just, just, it's just it's such a, it's, it's just really so weird. annoying. It's really super annoying to, um, to have a reader, um, make a claim on you or your work like that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, the truth is, is I've only written one story. I've written, I wrote for McShepletts, not not McShepletts, but the McShep match once, and that was for a person specifically. Um, and then I wrote The Air the Angels Breathe for Dances with Gary. Hmm. Specifically, because she made me art, and I wrote her a story. <laughs> And it was a thing, you know, because she made this art of John with gold wings, and it was beautiful. And I said, I would love to see him with black wings. And she made it for me, and I was like, well, now I have to write you a story. (laughs) And that's where the air that Angels Wings comes from. And the other one um, that I wrote um, for a person was I Spy, and that was written for um, McShep Match. Hmm. No, no. In the Blood was written for um, the SGA Christmas Exchange. And the McShep match was a challenge fic, not a, um, to a person. So, I've only done one that I, I know of, um, and I could be missing something. And that was my um, NCIS Secret Santa from last year, which was mm-hmm. Death of Silence. Um, and that was, you know, but that wasn't like I was writing to spec. It was... No. Um, that was for Penumbria. She's a minion. I got lucky on that front. I got somebody who has very similar tastes and stories to me. Um, we like the same thematic elements. So when I got the prompt from her, um, she, um, you know, she gave me a lot of ideas to things. She didn't give me ideas like go write this. She just gave me all these like this is stuff I like and this is the kind of stuff I like to see and it was thematic. And so I felt like I had, you know, I felt like I was writing a story to please her, not writing um, her specified story. And there's a distinction, you know, because writing a gift for somebody that you think is something they're going to enjoy is not the same thing as getting, a, you know, a spec sheet from somebody and having them <laughs> With say six pages of requirements. The requirements. The, the requirements. Ah. Come on now. Come on. It's like um, they forget, and this is especially true from people who don't write, and this person, well, Phoenix from my niece is something different, Spark. Um, It is from my niece, and she has provided a kind of a wish list, but it's really more about teaching her body autonomy. It's a it's a it's a lesson about um owning your own body and being responsible and being a good person couched in a story that she likes to read. So it's not quite the same thing as writing on spec or even writing um with McShep match or with a NCA, you know, with Secret Santa. It's um 
it's just different. It's different. In fact, it's so different that I almost did not put it on my website. Well, she kind of gave you a, um, in a way, she kind of gave you the what if for the story. And a lot of stories come from a what if. Yeah, she gave um, me a wish list and she was like, her, 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 her what if was, what if Harry took Hermione to the Yule Ball? That was her what if. That That's what she wanted to see. Um, it's not finished, um, and it's, um, it's a sneak peek on my Harry Potter page, um, and, um, it's more about, um, her, her captivation with, with Harry Potter, and especially with the character of Hermione Granger, um, whom she identifies with in a very special way. Um, my niece is very smart, and sometimes it's isolating, and she prefers books to people. And so, <laughs> in a lot of ways, she super identifies with Hermione. And so, that's what um, the story is that's why it's structured the way it is. And there are adult themes in it and things that happen because my niece is smart and I don't want her to, um, I want her to see these topics and to be exposed to them in a way that I find um, that are both educational um, and entertaining. Um, and so it's just, you know, what it is. Yeah, it's just it's a little bit different. Um, and I have written gift fix for people before. Um, there are a few people who would could who could who could probably say something like, "I would love to read something like, you know, Sin, I'm talking to you." Um, if she, she could make an <laughs> idle comment about something that she would find interesting to read, and I'm there's a, there's a chance I might run off and write it for her. <laughs> um, but it's just it's not quite it's just it's just different it's just you know it's just it's just completely different now i have um i don't uh usually um like take reader prompts or anything like that and this wasn't actually that kind of situation but um one of the fic finder groups one day somebody was looking for a specific um type of story that that she thought would be interesting and she was wondering if if it if that kind of story existed and i was like well i've never heard of it but i'm taking this as a prompt <laughs> <laughs> and I shall go forth and do something with it. <laughs> um, I, you know, odds are my interpretation of it would, because um, oftentimes when people, um, and the the prompt was, I actually may have mentioned before, the prompt was that uh, when Tony is abandoned by his dad in Hawaii, that um, the that he, he winds up, his, his relatives in England come for him, and he's raised by his relatives in England instead of with uh, Denoso Sr. And I was like, well, I've never read that story, but I really want it to exist, so I'm I'm going to go <laughs> off and I'm gonna, I'm I'm all prompted here. I'm going to go do something with this. The thing I find, you know, and I don't know what her expectations were. I didn't have any discussion with with the person who asked for this, other than than that telling her that I was taking that as a prompt. Um, is that often I find when people have what if scenarios like that, their expectation is that um, the character works their way back to their original circumstances, and uh, I just don't typically see that happening in an alternate, um, you know, I don't see Tony at an NCIS if he is raised in England. 
If he's raised in England and he really wants to be in law enforcement, I could see him at the Met. MI5. MI5. Or, or um, um, MI, I mean, probably not MI6, but I could see him at MI5. But not the way it's represented in that TV show where everybody fucking Body dies. Body dies. Or Interpol <sighs> would be interesting. Interpol, Scotland Yard. Um, something like that I could do. And that's kind of the direction I was going. And then I was like, I totally think that he and James Bond need to be getting it on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. Um, but anyway, so, I mean, I, it's not like I, you know, I don't know if when I finally ever get that story done, if it's something that's going to be, you know, because it came out of something that she was looking for, if she's going to be disappointed in it or not. That sort of isn't really the point because I'm not writing a story for her. I was just really inspired by the idea that she thought this would be a cool thing, and I thought, hey, this would be a cool thing, and I can go do this. So, um, yeah, and it would be a hot pairing. And it's one of those situations where I had thought about James Bond and um, um, Tony before, but I can be a little bit, um, a little bit too stuck in some canon elements and the fact that Tony's quoting James Bond all the time in the show. <laughs> um, there's whole scenes devoted to um, James Bond that it, he's clearly a fictional character in the NCIS world. So, but for some reason, if you put him over in England with his, you know, the Paddingtons raising him, it's like that little problem goes away <laughs> in my mind. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> well, he's not in NCIS, so. He's not using um, TV as a pacifier. That's right. So, um, so yeah, it'll be um, it's something. I, I got started on that one, and uh, I got to working on other stuff. Um, because, you know, the thing is I actually kind of – do you ever get an idea that spins off in two different directions and you don't know which one you want? And um, and this actually this actually came up this week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up because I talked to me about this. It's sometimes an idea spins off in two different directions, and it's like you you like them both a lot, and you don't know which way you want to go. And the idea where the idea branched um, when I started writing is when I started writing it, I really wanted him to stay with Danny and Steve. But the idea was that he go to England and be with his 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 mother's family. And so you have this, I had this moment where I went, well, which one do I want to do more? Well, I want to do them both. But then that's using basically the same plot device in two stories, and I really questioned that. You know, is that like a legit, can I really do that, you know? Um, I do it all the time. And I was talk- it. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking, I was talking to somebody um, earlier in this week about that, and I won't, I won't mention their name unless they're in the chat room and they tell me that it's okay to do it, about um, exploring the same idea in different ways or using a similar plot device in two different fandoms or whatever your application is of, of something that says, you know. And I got to thinking about it. I was a little bit, I was a little bit indignant um, on her behalf that she feels pressured by her fans to um, – okay, it was Sadria. We were talking about this. Um, that she feels <laughs> pressured – she says, I can talk to her, talk about what she has, and she feels pressured to not explore things in the way that feels um, organic uh, and creative for her, that if she's explored an idea um, and she thinks there's more to explore or a different way to explore it, maybe in a different fandom, um, that maybe she shouldn't because her fans might complain that there would be um, repetition or whatever. 
And, you know, and one of the things I said to her, and I don't know if I'm going to quote myself correctly here because I'm not looking at it, um, but one of the things I said to her was, you know, like nobody ever told Monet you should get out there and try some realism for once. You know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes we just we have something we need to explore until we're done exploring it. Um, and if it's a, if it's derivative of an idea you've already done before, so what? You know, it's your idea. Do your thing. Go have fun with it. And if somebody bitches, you know, Kira's got a whole page with an old lady flipping people off <laughs> that you Dedicated can send to them to. But here's the thing. I do get complaints about certain things, but I have never gotten a complaint about that. And I explore the same themes all the time from different perspectives because it's something I enjoy, and it's one of the reasons why I'm in fandom to begin with. So I can twist and turn the same premise around and see how it looks from different perspectives. I'm not kidding when I say that Lantian Legacy is an alternate reality of what might have been. And in truth, my new story, The Legacy, is in a lot of ways an alternate reality of the Pendragon legacy, which I'm also currently working on. Um, And I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. I'm going to do what I want. Um, So, Sadra, just do what you want. And if you have a reader who doesn't like you exploring the same theme twice, tell them they don't got to fucking read it. It's not required. You don't owe them jack shit. Truly. And the funny thing is I find the more I explore sometimes a similar idea, um, it actually can teach you a lot about um, character dynamic, is to explore a similar idea with different characters, with a different spin. Um, you know, because in theory, if you take the exact same set of circumstances and you apply different characters to that setup, it should not come out the same. And if it did... <laughs> Something went awry, I'm pretty sure, because people affect the outcome. And so you could take the exact same plot device, and I think it's a, it's, you know, anything you write is legitimate, but it is a very, to me, a very legitimate writing exercise to take the same plot device and explore it with different characters maybe and see how that changes things and see, you know, explore um, maybe somebody dies if you apply um, the wrong people to that sort of circumstance, or maybe everybody lives in another, you know, I mean, there's just all kinds of ways that you can do something interesting and learn something interesting about the craft by um, doing something with it. I mean, recently I was plotting, um, um, when I was plotting De Novo, because I wanted to explore what would happen if um, Shepard uh, stepped up while Gibbs was gone and acted like a real director. Um, But while I was plotting that, I also wanted to explore the exact opposite because there were moments when I was, you know, plotting and writing where I went, I really, really, really want to um, have her go completely off the rails and be completely awful. Um, And I just wanted to have the same setup, but just go completely opposite directions with it. And De Novo was one. I went ahead and did it, and De Novo was one, and Memories was the other. Um, And I'm not sure I'm done exploring crap that can go on while Gibbs is gone. (laughs) 
because hiatus needs more fix-it-fix than it has. If you want to write ten alternate versions of Dead Air, you fucking do it. I probably will. (laughs) If you want to write ten versions of Harry Potter turning into a fucking dragon, you do it. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. If you want to start the same story, ten different stories with the same fucking paragraph, you do it. Because that's your shit and you can do what you want. Remember the three F's. If they're not fucking you, financing you, or what was the other one? Feeding. Feeding you? They don't get a fucking opinion. And even then, my husband does all those things and he don't get a fucking opinion. <laughs> well, he, he might an get opinion, to offer but... an opinion, but he doesn't get to, you don't, have, you, you, you don't have to take it. It's like, he gets to at least offer it. That's, that's his privilege for... There was um, a great... Right. Yeah, you can speak. You can speak. You have permission to speak. Today, I gave him permission to go to work. It was great. You may go. Own money. (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) It was awesome. Anyways, um, um, there was a meme on Facebook today, and it said, um, either I give too many fucks, or no fucks, and I don't have the ability to um, to give a moderate amount of funk fucks. My husband is that. He doesn't have the ability to give a moderate amount of funk of fucks. He either gives no fucks or all the fucks. <laughs> there's there's no moderate. Give give a fuck in him. It, it's hilarious. It, it is absolutely hilarious. I pointed it out to him, and he went. I said, "This is you," and he said, "Fuck you," and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and left, he left my office. We just like prove my point. For those of you who are curious about the fuck you page on my website, if you go to my website and use the search button and you type in fuck you, it's going to be your first result. Really? It's the first result? If you if you type fuck you in the search box, absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> I keep it on, I keep I keep her fuck you page on my um, shortcut menu on my browser. Um, because sometimes I don't need to send it, send it to people. I just need to see that old lady flipping me the bird, you know. I need to add number 12. Do not send me a six-page PDF. <laughs> Do not ever, ever send me your story ideas. Ever. I didn't get your question, Lady Holder. Oh, you didn't see that? Like, that's why I suddenly busted out laughing earlier while you were in the middle of saying something serious and I started cracking up. Because Lady Holder put a link in the chat room and I clicked on it while you were speaking and it was like, oh my God. She just trolled the fuck out of me when I'm supposed to be sitting here being quiet and it's terrible. It's just terrible. She trolled me on Facebook? Oh, yes. She totally trolled you. Let me get you the link. <laughs> Did you find it? Yeah, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, you were, t- you were, t- you were, you were, we're having a serious moment. And I clicked on that link, and I was like, I just started busting up laughing. He's, he's such a troll. Clearly, Senna gets it from her. <laughs> Well, see, here's the problem with her trolling. Um, she asked me three questions, and I only get two boxes. <laughs> and they're and the answers would be opposite. So I want to check yes and no, and <laughs> let you figure it out for yourself. Face. Anyways, um. It. <laughs> It was just a fascinating day. It was just a fascinating day. Um, don't do that to people. Don't don't try to micromanage their creative process. Because even with my niece, my niece doesn't have a six-page list of, do- of, of requirements that she has for the story that I'm writing for her. And if, if Kira were to prompt other readers with that what if what if Harry took Hermione to the Yule Ball we wouldn't have to follow the rules <laughs> there wouldn't be a list of you wouldn't have to follow my niece's um, whims like currently she called me and asked me the other day she says I want Hermione to be a kitten so if Hermione turns into an animal in Phoenix, she has to be a kitten. I said, what kind of kitten? She says, I don't care. I said, can she be a big kitten? And she was like, yeah, she can be a big kitten. So Hermione's going to be a lion. (laughs) (laughs) Lioness. A lioness. Or maybe a saber-toothed tiger. I don't know. But she can be a big kitten, so I'm going to go all out. I had a um back with back in the days when I was taking um um when I was doing some writing for um like charity causes. I uh one of the one of the things that somebody had asked me to do and I, I had to give a firm no on it. I was like, I don't care and they were like they were like they, they were willing to pay a lot for me to write this story. So they they would do like and you, the way these things worked is like the donation went in. Um um, before I actually had to write, so I would get confirmation from the charity that the donate donation was there and that kind of thing. And um, I said they were willing to pay a hundred bucks for me to write this story, and I was like, no. And I only had to write like three thousand words. I was like, no. Was it incest? Carefully here. Was it? No, no. It was. It was a pairing. It was a pairing. I. It was every. It met all because I said I was willing to what I was willing to write what pairings have, and it met the pairing criteria, met the fandom criteria. Everything was good. If she wanted, and I'm, I'm totally down with this blowjob idea. She wanted just a blowjob, a quick blowjob to save. And, and she said it could be, it could be, and my minimum word count was like 2,000 words. She said even if it was the minimum, that was fine. So she's willing to spend 100 bucks for a blowjob scene for like 2,000 words. And I was like, because I think it was like, the, the, she normally that wouldn't have cost that much because it was like a per word type donation. But she said, "I'll give mm-hmm. like a hundred bucks if you'll do it." Um, no, she wanted it like in a seedy alley with all these garbage around and um, like condoms on the ground and stuff, like just really gross atmosphere. And I mean, I struggled with germophobia for years, years, 
And this was right during the peak of that when I was, like, working on, like, exposures and I was taking medication for OCD. It was, like, I was like, no. I want to dip no, my whole I'm... self in a vat of hand sanitizer right now. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. And she just wanted it, like, as nasty as possible. Like, this just, like, this blowjob in this, like, really gross environment. With like you know, and specifically was calling all this stuff of like you know all the bodily fluids that were around and stuff, and I was like, oh god, I'm so grossed <laughs> out. Oh, I was like, oh, I, was like, I can't, I can't, I can't write that. I have to say no. I I was I was down with the blowjob thing. The pairing was good, but I can't do it. I can't. And, she, and the thing is, she wouldn't have said all that if she didn't want me to describe it, right? So it wasn't like I could just write a blowjob in an alley and she could visualize that stuff, right? What's the point of telling no, all that no, stuff if you're no, not going to describe? No. She wanted. Uh, we need a whole vat. We need a whole vat of, of Purell I mean, just, and brain bleach. I mean, just just hearing about it made me like <laughs> want to run run for my for my medication. You know, I was like, oh my god, it's like you I need an extra Xanax. I can't like get candy. through this. <laughs> just oh, oh. um. But this is where, and the reason why, I, actually, the reason why, one of the reasons why I mentioned that was because this was a, um, I wrote, I, I sometimes did write a couple of obscure pairings that not a lot of people wrote, and it was one of the pairings on the list the, that I had on the on the charity site that I was willing to write was one of these obscure pairings, and I, I thought, I thought the fact of like the skanky blowjob, which I think was really the big thing, but it was also like, oh my god, I can get my skanky blowjob <laughs> with this pairing that almost nobody writes, and. Sometimes I think that, like, people are so desperate sometimes for this um, thing that they can't get anywhere else that, like, they lose their mind. Because, you know, her donation should have been, like, 10 bucks. And when I said no, she's like, I- I'll put, like, 100 bucks into this if you want it, if, you- if you'll do it. You know, and I'm like, no. Ooh, no. I didn't want to say that's, like, really gross. But I kind of, like, on the one hand, I kind of appreciated that, you know, there's like this element of desperation. It's like I can't get this pairing enough of this pairing, and somebody's willing to write it, but I just couldn't. So I can kind of understand that sometimes, you know, if you come into, and I was trying to put myself in the in the headspace of this wackadoodle today. It's like she comes into fandom, she's not getting what she wants, and she has like a broken entitlement system. <laughs> The logical thing to do is to go find someone to broker the deal for her. Um, it's just weird. It's just weird. It kind of reminds me, and ladies, those of you who've had some experience with men in general will get me. And this is really just a man thing. I've never had, I mean, I've never been with a woman, but I don't think a woman would do shit like this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm naive. We'll, we'll see. You'll, you'll let me I'll, know, I'm sure. I'll let you know when you get to the end of it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's kind of like that one guy that you think is pretty normal, just about as vanilla as they can get. And then he says something completely off the wall in the middle of sex, and you don't even know. You're like, what? <laughs> what? No, 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 no. I can't call you Puff Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> or just something completely 
you've been in a relationship for a couple of weeks. He comes out in the diaper unexpectedly. I mean, it's just like it's just like totally out of nowhere. And I've never known that to happen with a women are if they have freaky ass fantasies, they're usually pretty upfront about it. But men, they kind of lull you in with a sense of you know like normalcy. Then they spring creepy ass shit on you, like. They ask you to put your hair in pigtails and a tiny cheerleading uniform and call them daddy. You know, out of nowhere. Yeah, now, it is out me, of nowhere. Have you ever had a woman do and that? You're, you're, <laughs> not out of nowhere. Women, every woman I've met that had, like, really kinky fantasies, they're usually really upfront about it because, you know, it's like I'm not going to waste this. I think it's because there's, there's, some, there's an element of practicality there. It's like I really want this, and um, I'm not getting down um, – you know, I'm not investing six months in this just to find out that you're not into it. Like, I dated this one woman who was really into interrogation kink. Um, it ain't my thing. I just can't take it. I mean, I'm sorry, I just can't take it serious. I don't mind a little bit of role-playing sometimes. But, I mean, she's, like, hardcore into it. And, like, she wanted me, like, like, smacking her head into the table and stuff. And I was like, eh, I can't do this. Um you know, and I, I was I was receptive mentally to the idea um, at but first not, because yeah. I was like, but, you know, I, I had, you know, she said, well, why don't you come watch um, me go through one of these and you can tell me what you think. And, you know, I was like, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> that harsh, you know, huh? Uh, I, I, I actually, it, it was really, it was really, I was a little bit, she had, she, the, the two people who were participating had actually taken classes um, on how to do, um, Almost like stunt classes, not legitimate stunt classes, but take offered by the local dungeon about how to do mock fighting and mock interrogation and that kind of thing. Like they teach you how to um, run somebody into a wall face first, safely. And really the person's running themselves into the wall, but it doesn't look like that. So they had both been through several of those classes. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm sitting there in the room as the voyeur in the whole situation. And, um, Watching, you know, this person who wants me to do this to her, basically what looks like beat the crap out of somebody and verbally abuse them. And I was like, huh. Well, okay. Um, Thanks for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Appreciate it. Yeah, but, you know, I've with you, men sometimes, I've had guys, like, I've known them for, like, months. Months, and you see to talking about fantasies, and you're like, "Well, how bad can it be?" Right? They're gonna bust, and it's like it really can be that bad. I, like, oh my god, I've already been sleeping with this person. Can I, can I get a time turner and undo that? <laughs> I did have a man ask me once to call him daddy in the middle of sex, and I busted out laughing, and sex was over. I was like, I can't, I, I can't. I just I was laughing uncontrollably, and um, he's like, "You didn't have to laugh." I said, "You have no idea how much I had to laugh." I said, "And I was actually enjoying that." Thank you for fucking it up for me. <laughs> that isn't the kind of thing you, you spring on somebody during intercourse, okay? No. Although there is one time I had a man spring something on me in the middle of intercourse, and it wasn't bad. I was a little surprised, 
but I went with it. He asked me to smack his ass. I'm Turned out I was totally surprise. on board with that. <laughs> I was totally on board with doing that. I'm like, so it really wasn't a surprise like, two weeks later when he handed me a paddle and bent over a table. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I had it in my hand. I said, don't hit the tailbone. <laughs> that was my only um, instruction to myself. Yeah, there was this guy I was dating once who, and I can't. I am. This is gonna be a bit of a tease, but trust me, you're all safer for not knowing. Um, and we had we had we had been we'd have like you know every once in a while you want to explore something a little bit kinky, um, and so we're working up to, you know, trying things out. It's like, and you know, he wanted me like he wanted me to try holding him down during sex. He wanted me to try tying him up and he wanted me to try you know so like like okay kinky night's coming um and what are we going to try this time and we sit down we talk about it because there's just no room for kinky surprises in the bed um except maybe the occasional ass snacking um (laughs) and out out of the blue from from we went from a little bit of spanking a little bit of bondage to something so horrific (laughs) i literally cannot tell you people everyone would um, log off and go vomit. <laughs> so it was just, and I had to. It was like, oh, well, my I mean, all I can do is go. Well, my answer is no. I desperately want to know. Does it involve brown play? In a way. Yeah. Okay. In a, I way. Don't. <laughs> in, in a way, but in a way that I don't know that has ever been conceived before. <laughs> Good God. Anyway, <laughs> it was. It was just not something you surprise someone with. I mean, that would have been a good thing. And apparently he had, like, been holding this in that he really needed to, you know, have this experience. And I had been receptive to what amounts to pretty vanilla kinkiness, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then the thing came out, and I was like, I'm oh, sorry, you want me to do what? Fuck. <laughs> oh, um, I have never been more could, curious in my whole life. But I remember well, I, that time I, we Googled something that we shouldn't have Googled, and I deeply regretted my Googling choice. Yes. Well, if you I'm really want to know, lady, you can, you can ping me on Facebook, and I will I will tell you the answer on Facebook. But it's just, I was like, oh, Lordy, have mercy. Um, so... It was um it was one of those moments is like and the thing is and then I, and then I was like well I can't break up with, I had this moment I'm like I can't break up with someone for this their kink but then all I could think about from then on was that this is what they desperately want and they're not getting and they're never gonna get and it from was like you. you know that that from, well not you def and if they ever got it I don't want to know about it um <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, I love that a man asked me to pee on him. Yeah, I said no. No. He said, "But I really like it." I'm like, "Good for you." I don't. I can't. (laughs) No. Unless there's a jellyfish involved in this situation, it's not happening. And at that point, 
we were at that point where we didn't actually close the bathroom door, you know, anymore. When we were, you know, in his apartment or whatever. After that, I started closing the bathroom door. <laughs> I didn't want him to hear me pee. <laughs> Not peeing on you. Not peeing on you. <laughs> Not even if there was a jellyfish involved, actually. <laughs> Girls well, just aren't been... a particular solution to your problem. <clears throat> If someone, if someone I knew really needed to be peed on to save their life, I would, I would do it. I would do that. But that's about the only circumstance. And I would not want to date somebody that I worried would go seek a jellyfish <laughs> that they could have this experience. But you know, it's just, it's like one of those. I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to navigate this relationship anymore. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those things. It's like it's better to just be upfront about that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. How do we hear? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't retrace the path to this if I tried. <laughs> Not even if we listened to it. Um. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, men do spring that shit on you. It just it just out of nowhere. You're like what? No. <laughs> no. No, I I'm not I'm not taking surprises today, thank you. You can go. <sighs> well, no, I actually I won't I won't I won't say that because y'all have just had enough of the horrifying for me tonight. <laughs> Even if you didn't get the actual horrifying, you just don't need it. <laughs> oh, I know why it came up. You know, you talked about um, how um, she looked at fandom and saw something she wasn't getting. So she saw it oh. out of an avenue of getting it. Well, for me, when I looked at fandom and I saw I saw something I wasn't getting, I went and wrote it. Right. That was my solution to that particular problem. And you you really legitimately don't have the right to intrude on a writer's process. And um, readers, especially readers who are not writers, um, really don't understand how invasive it can be. It's incredibly invasive, um, and we've talked about this before. Is there seems to be some kind of mentality that once you have written something and put it out for people to read, whether it's free or whether it's not, whether it's published, you know, or on the internet, that writers somehow become an indentured servant to their readers, like you owe um, your readers words and. If you don't give them the right words, they have um, the right um, and almost the duty in their mind to let you know. Like it's some sort of sacred trust that they have been given to tell you that you are not meeting their expectations. Uh, 
And it's just such a, it's a mindset that I just don't even understand. Because even before I was writing in fan fiction, I, I would never have gone there. I would never have gone to an author and said, you know, because one of the common requests I get was, it would be awesome if you would write this pairing. Um, okay. It would be awesome if you'd respect my space. Okay, that would be great. Really, well and truly. Um, you know, if I, you know, if I, uh, when I first, the first time I read um, Tony Denozo, Steve McGarrett, um, I was like, I like, I knew I had come home, you know, it was, in a fandom parent. She found her mothership. I did. I was like, I have a no T, no TP rule, but I'm rethinking that, you know. I mean, why be rigid? <laughs> we all have one. You all have so one. Everybody I, you know, has would, a mothership. You just have to find it. You just have to find your mothership, and I did, and there it was, and there was like three. And I was like, you know. And if I had that mindset, I would have gone to every writer I knew that I enjoyed their the way, enjoyed their, their narrative or their prose and said, it would be awesome if you would write Steve Tony because there's not enough of it. But that's just <laughs> not my mental process. So what did I do? I went out and wrote my own because that's what well, you do. Um, here's the thing. Um, if I saw that, it, w- it would be awesome if more people wrote this, this, you know, and it wasn't directed personally at me. I wouldn't consider it a problem. No, I agree. But when it comes up on my website and says, hey, I want you to write this and this, and it's not really a question or a suggestion, it's a demand. And then you're ungrateful <laughs> for not giving in to their demands. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it's so like it, I can't even see the illogic of it. But it's just and, and actually, he's, and then I, when people say, "I wish there was more of this pairing," like you said, I don't. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, and I don't take it as a prompt, although sometimes I do find it inspiring. It's like, yeah, there needs to be more of that, or there's none of that. Wouldn't it be awesome? I need to go out and write that because if there's none of it, and I find the idea intriguing, I'm going to go out and write it myself. Um, not go chase down the nearest author that I like and say, "You need to do this." And then, you know, and I. I you know I have my mothership out there, and um, there's there's it's it's a pretty sparsely filled mothership, and then one day something glorious happened, and Kira wrote a Steve Tony story, and I was like, <sighs> it's like <laughs> soon there's gonna be so much of it, everybody's gonna do it, it'll be awesome. <laughs> do you Beam think I'm a my mothership, please. <laughs> I do have some ideas for Steve Tony. I mean, because it's such an interesting pairing, and um, they're um, they're in the same canon. I mean, it's like <sighs> they exist. It can be way. there. I mean, yeah. When you are watching NCIS, Steve McGarrett exists. He is a person in that canon, and it's like he's just not. He's not like on the show, but they're in the same universe, and that's just like. I didn't even have to go too far afield to find my mothership. That's just awesome. <laughs> I like Stephen Tony because Tony is um he's outgoing and um open 
and um, interesting, but not um, loud. And Steve is kind of, um, there's a quiet sincerity in Steve McGarrett that I like to Mm -hmm. tap into. And there's a steadiness about him. CBS has crossed over NCIS and Hawaii Five-O, but it's NCIS Los Angeles and Hawaii Five-O because Los Angeles is closer to Hawaii than... um, Right, so when the NCIS agents need to be on the island, they take them from NCIS LA. Um, Conversely, NCIS agents wind up in NCIS LA and in NCIS New Orleans, so it's, you know, all one big universe. So that that's actually happened. Um, they are connected officially. But um, there's just like this this really. Um, I find Steve McGarrett very engaging as a character. His his strength, his his honor, his. Um, One of the hardest moments I've seen is um, there was an episode where um, Wofat h- held um, Steve hostage and drugged him. And he had hallucinations that his father was still alive. And when Danny and um, Chen rescued him, he asked about his dad. Because his reality was so fucked up because of the drugs. Um and there's that moment, there's that moment when he believes his dad's alive and it's such, it's there and then, and then it's gone and he knows that his dad really was murdered. And it was, if I wasn't already just painfully, painfully in love with Steve McGarrett, that would have done it. It would. Because it was that raw was a- and it was open and he just, he reached out for support and he got it from Danny and Chen and it was just like this agony um, burst open in him and it was like he was finally finally after all this time acknowledging the loss of his father and it was gorgeous yeah Steve Steve is um, that was such a beautiful moment in that episode and it was so that, that a lot of it it, it, Hawaii Five-O suffers from writing problems. I mean, H, not that NCIS doesn't have writing problems. Oh, um, right. If they didn't, we Hawaii, wouldn't have fan fiction. Right. Hawaii Five-O really suffers from... It's sort of like they get, they get a couple extra adverbs because um, they have some weird things going on. But um, Steve is definitely... he's. I like I really like characters that just have a lot of conviction um, about what they're doing in life and why they're doing it. And Steve just has that in spades. He is, um, and he's a force of nature. And his give a fuck is completely broken. So he's just really easy to like. And um, but one of those moments. Tell me, had a few moments in in the show when they weren't when they would break away and have an episode that focused on him, where it was just kind of like wow. And one of the early ones for me was him was um, chained when he was chained to the art thief slash serial killer. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why, it was actually one of those moments when I really fell in love with his character, but it was such a letdown. Um, 
that it kind of hurt afterward was when he had to shoot Jeffrey White. And he was just kind of sitting in that chair. In that He didn't move. He just sat there in that car um, with um, blood and brain matter splattered all over. And the first thing he says is, I really liked him. And it was like my heart just completely broke for him at that moment. And then the letdown came as Gibbs was an asshole. Um, and I was just like, okay, is this how this show's going to go? <laughs> and yes, it was. But I liked Tony so much in that moment that I hung on for like nine more years <laughs> of that exact dynamic, you know, of Tony having a moment and then getting slapped at the end of it. I'm making my no face over here. But because of how much I enjoy Steve and how much I enjoy Tony, I just feel like they belong together. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about John and Rodney. Um, by no means does Rodney need protecting, but when he does, I want John to be there. <laughs> and I really want Steve McGarrett to just take Tony home with him. <laughs> because... Mm-hmm. I was listening to a song the other day, and the song just kind of breaks my heart. But I immediately started kind of plotting out a Tony Steve thing inspired by that song. And um, I haven't got it all worked out in my head yet, but it's just like, you know, something. Um, you guys probably know this song, but here I'll. I think this is it. Yeah. Oh, I put, in this, put up the link here for you bitches. Um. The video is very weird. Don't watch the video. It kind of actually made me kind of go, oh, Lord. Um, but uh, the song is great. Yeah, The is. chat is great. <laughs> the chat is great. And I'm more so working on that as an inspiration for a Tony Steve story where Steve's just like, enough. I'm going to take you home. I'm taking you home with me. Hawaii needs a new Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the one. I've already got your shirt picked out. I got a place on this. One of my ideas for Tony Steve um, is that um, someone that Steve knows is murdered, and NCIS is investigating his murder in in Washington. And Steve goes, and um, he meets Tony, and um, Throughout the case, you know, he's, you know, Steve is interviewed and they talk about it. And his buddy doesn't have any family, so he's claim he, um, he's going to claim the body and make sure the funeral happens the way it's supposed to, and all this stuff. And um, I just have this idea that just just Tony just falls absolutely in love with Steve. And when Steve goes back to Hawaii, he's like, "Why the fuck am I still here?" Because <laughs> that's in Hawaii, and Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that picture. There's nothing wrong with that picture. And so he just gets on a plane and goes. I think that's a glorious idea. Because Tony just needs to go. He just needs to go. And you could put it in practically any place in um in the eyes canon that you wanted, um, except you have to if you're going to play by the canon rules, you need to make sure that Steve's in Hawaii and not, you know, active duty in the, in the seals. Um, so that puts it what, uh, season eight, right around, right before dead air, right before dead air, 
which is why, I, why which is where I put my um, my Sentinel story with the dead air because Steve had just started Hawaii Five O at that point, um, and his dad had been killed earlier, and then dead air happens, and I'm like, yeah, that that's the perfect place to put it. Um, but what if the next case after dead air is Steve's friend? That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. I have uh, Kelly. Kelly, somebody, Kelly asked a question on the chat and I've contemplated that idea about them, Steve and Tony, meeting when they're their kids. Um, and um, I used to be careful with that kind of thing. Is I, I like the idea of them having known each other um, in the past and kind of like maintaining ties in some way. And I think there may have been some authors who've put that in that they've known each other since since they were kids, but I don't. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, the issue is that um, you have to be careful that you don't get the brother vibe going on. Right. Always be careful. Always be careful. Because then you're you like, characters who... then you're stuck. There's a right. reason why I've he... never done a youth AU with John and Rodney. I don't want to to come um, to go there mentally because it could fuck up my OTP. <laughs> yeah. Really. Because I mean, I had contemplated. Um, the only thing I have to say, the only thing I liked about the show without a trace was Martin Fitzgerald. Legit, that was the only thing I liked about the show. Um, and so I, I had I had kind of plotted out a Martin um, Tony story uh, many many moons ago, but I never did anything with it. And then I wrote the journey home, where they'd known each other since they were children and were best friends and I'm like brothers of the soul kind of thing. And it's I could never that that old story is like dead. It's, it can never be revisited because that vibe is in my head now. Well, you've also made Tony a shepherd, so now you'll never be able to write John Tony. But yeah, that's gone. I, actually, the um, um, and I also also can't now write John uh, Tony Rodney, which was another story idea I had put had in, in play because it's just rude to to fuck your brother's soulmate. You know, I mean that just. <laughs> Right? And this is a woman who says she has oh no OTPs. <laughs> it's terrible. But, I mean, John Rodney's really good. But the thing is, I can, I can, you know, it's, I, I could do them with other people like for a while. And one of the story ideas I had was that like Tony was like, um, why John and Rodney got together because John was being oblivious and Tony got all in there with agent afloat and he and Rodney got together for a while and they just were having a really good time. And John was like, what the fuck? Why am I not doing that? And <laughs> Tony was like, well, what the hell is wrong with you? It's been in your face for years, dude. Like, what the hell? And, but now I can't because, you know, Tony's not going to fuck You can't John. fuck your brother's soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> But it's absolutely true. You cannot fuck your brother's soulmate. <laughs> Once you make people family, it's like, and you get that vibe when you get a headcanon. You know, it's just, some some headcanon cannot be got around. I have a story where Rodney and Evan Lauren hook up. Um, it's a short piece that I wrote for what my, for um, Dark Places in the Soul. And I, I opened it up the other day and I was reading it and I was like, oh, you bastard. How dare you, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I don't know who I 
was madder for, John or Matt? <laughs> How dare you? It was really, it was really, um, and I, uh, I was trying to figure out what my pairing for Matt was going to be when I was working my way through synthetic. And it probably won't appear on screen, but I like to think ahead, far ahead when I'm writing so that I can build in interactions that will um, have play if I do a sequel. Um, so when I was writing, when I was figuring out um, where Matt fit in the crew, um, I had to choose between Cameron and... Um, Evan Lorne. And if you look at my project file, you can tell that I picked Evan Lorne. And it's because I've been working on the North Star and um, Evan and um, Matt are together in Ties That Bind, of course. And it's really, um, I don't, it's kind of difficult now for me to write Matt with Cameron. Because the Ties That Bind pairing has such a presence in my mind it had a lot it has well i mean it was i think it had a lot of resonance and maybe because it was more on screen mm-hmm. um i don't know but it definitely resonated in a in a way that um okay so when i was contemplating what the pairings were going to be for um if found because i'm right working on i started plotting out sequel to it mm-hmm. um i had my intention was to put Matt with Cameron and I had that moment of like but he belongs with Evan (laughs) I I love Cameron and I love the way that Cameron loves Matt in what might have been he's he's very much in love with Matt for Matt and not for anything else it's about him and it's about nothing else but him and it's about that moment when they met so long ago and he fell in love and it never went away. And now he's got him back, and he's really, he's he cherishes his relationship with Matt in, in what might have been. So I, there's no point in saying that I'll, I would ever break that up and, and ride him with Evan in what might have been. It's just forward. I'm not sure I could put him with anybody else in in a new verse. Yeah, yeah. And you, sometimes you see things just, you know, they just sink in. That's just the way it is. I mean, I, I did write one of my prompt shorts, um, because I wanted deliberately not to use the pairings. I sort of based one of my prompts on If Found. It's not literally part of If Found because the pairings are all wrong. Um, but in it I had, um, I basically said that Ronan was chasing Maddie all over the base and Matt was trying really hard to get caught. Um, <laughs> but I, even though I wrote it because I found it A, pretty, and B, entertaining, um, I was sitting there going, Except it was really Evan. You know, I just, you know, I'm lying to my readers. We all know who exactly was chasing Maddie all over the base. Um, <laughs> but whatever. But, yeah, but so I totally, I totally, I just, I changed up all the pairings in that so that people would not, although what will happen is anybody who reads that short, when I write the sequel to If Found, they're going to go, but the pairings you said they were going to be, I'm like, no, I told you that was disconnected. I was just, like, doing an AU of my own shit. I'm fan fictioning myself. I get to do it. <laughs> That's her prerogative. I'm writing fan fiction of <laughs> my own work. <laughs> well, I think 
honestly, the characterization of Cameron and, and what might have been is something I'm really proud of. But he's he's very self-aware and he's very aware of other people, and he's um, he's he saw what was happening between John and Rodney before John admitted it to himself and before Rodney got hit over the head with it. Because <laughs> Rodney didn't see any of that shit coming. <laughs> you know. So. But writing John having sex with somebody else was oddly liberating. Now, in... Emotional clockwork. I wrote a sex. I, I wrote a sex scene with John and um, Graham Simmons, and um, I think that it was it was actually really super easy for me to write, and I thought it wouldn't be. So I was kind of putting it off for a little bit, and I was like, mm, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." And it was like it came out like silk, and I was like, "What is this?" But then I realized because. I'd already applied out the whole thing, and I knew that in the end that John was going to get exactly what he wanted. Um, that writing this um, little bit of stress relief <laughs> for him was was really easy. Yeah, it's hot. I could see that it was hot. Yeah, and the thing is, you normally um, somebody commented that, that they have a hard time reading John with Amber Rodney. And normally I'm I'm there too. I I, I kind of just go, you know. I normally not all the time, but normally when I read anything that John somebody else, I kind of go, why isn't he with Rodney? You know. <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those. I don't. I don't. It's like my brain just is kind of like there's a little bit OTP issue. But you, one day, you put this horrible idea in my head, and I I even like I got so inspired I ran off and made I made art, which was that. Um, I don't know if you remember this was um Jack, I remember it. John. I got that I art. Like, I said art. I was like that I was like and you put that it's like that idea has just been stuck in my brain forever. Like and I was like I really don't want to write that. Um but it sounds so good. <laughs> I do have this kind of this idea in you know, kind of burning in the back of my head that John comes back um, after the first year um, on Atlantis, and before he goes back out, um, Jack O'Neill takes it for a ride. <laughs> I still don't I love know that why. idea. I'm honestly not sure I could write it because I'm really um, kind of invested in my Jack Patrick pairing. Um, But um, it 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 is kind of appealing. It it kind of broadsided me when I heard about it. I was like, because you started talking about I at that night. I, I don't even remember exactly what was said, but you kind of think I'm thinking about maybe doing John Jack. And I made this face, and I was like, she's had too much tea today. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it was like I don't know. It was like I'd caught something, and it was like the idea just started to fester, and I was like. That actually, I really like it. I, I really, really like that. I'm gonna go open Photoshop. <laughs> that was totally a corrupted moment. It was a great picture. It's a great picture. I still have it. It was a John need taking care of moment, Barbara. That is exactly what I kind of pictured in my head. You know that John had gone through this this um, 
uh, terrible first year on Atlantis, and the debriefing had been, you know, awful. Awful, awful, awful. And, you know, Jack kind of takes him home, take care of him, and takes him to bed. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely idea. A lovely idea. It's a little plot bunny. But, you know, I have all that space on the trailer and the big short that, you know, that it could happen. It could happen. There's a whole forum for that. I, speaking of the big short, I, um, I broke my own heart a little bit. Rodney. There's actually yeah. a story where I implied that um, Sam Carter took Rodney home after the debrief. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney gets his fantasy. Woohoo. Um, but I I was writing I, I started like I, started, I wrote a, something for wet the other night it wound up being um, Brad Tony and I kind of wondered about that pairing um, okay, I was kind of like what, would I do that pairing would I would it work and so I'm like writing it and there's this moment and I just was like this line popped out and he says something like what does he say um, I'll catch you if you let me mm-hmm. and I was like I think I just broke my own heart. Yeah, I need to write a bigger story with these two. <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> that thing happened. That, that thing happened. It happens. Sometimes you, you you kind of catch yourself off guard with a line. You're like, well, shit. <laughs> now look what I've done. <laughs> like, well, hell. Now I need to go and, you know. So, I don't know, we're almost out of time. I have to tell you, bitches. We got these, um, they're like, um, Handball balls, but they're heavier. I can remember they're for, like, you know, playing ball. Um, and um, I was, like, bounce throwing it up in the air and catching it. And I threw it up really high in the air, and I caught it. But I didn't catch it properly. And it, this thing is a really heavy ball. Um, and, like, you know, I can't close my fist all the way around it. And when I caught it, I didn't catch it in the palm of my hand. I caught it on the heel of my hand, and it bounced off the heel of my hand and into my throat. <laughs> how the fuck did you? I don't even. I it's like you can't. I, you, I was like, how do I don't even explain that I just basically, you know, because I threw it up really high and this is a very heavy ball. And when I caught, when it bounced off the heel of my hand and smacked it in my throat, and like all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> one day Jilly is going to be a mystery for a crime scene tech. <laughs> it's like, what happened to that what girl? What the hell happened here? <laughs> What the fuck? We're down to 34 seconds. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, it's Friday, I'm making Lady Holder think of a fucking topic. It is. Oh, it, is tomorrow, it will be Friday. And um, we're going to have a topic. And she's got roughly, I don't know, 24 hours? 20 hours, I think. It's 22 hours to think of something. Go. Well, she got 20 because you got to know in advance. Yeah, I got, I got to know in 20. 20. Bye. <laughs>